Welcome to our biggest info dump yet. Are you ready to hear us talk forever <laughs> and ever and ever? Hello, welcome to Monster Masquerade. I am Faye. And I'm Mint. And we're going to talk about, is this the first time that we have talked about something that is it like still in theaters? No, mm, we had another one. We did Scream. Scream, yeah. Because they thanked us for coughing on each other. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Resident Evil? That was on DVD by the time. Oh, okay. So I feel like we've got some leeway. Okay, I guess just scream. Just scream. Yeah. I feel like we've spoiler warning one for being recent, but it might have just been spring. (laughs) It might have just been spring. That's a very different movie than scream. Uh (laughs) Ghostface has a flower crown. (laughs) It's the Easter Bunny. Ghostface in Midsummer now. It's Zipper (laughs) from uh, Animal Crossing. No, ew. That's real horror. <laughs> <laughs> Today we're going to talk about Nope, which came out not too long ago. It's by Jordan Peele. It's his third movie. And I think maybe... I don't know if it's recency bias. I think it might be the best. Oh, it's the best. It's my favorite horror movie now. I'm sorry, Crimson Peak. It's knocked <laughs> it out. <laughs> or the one that I have like enjoyed the most recently. Yeah. What's interesting is... So, okay. Before we start talking about this, I have watched this movie three times, and I am about to watch it a fourth time at some point, this mm-hmm. because I'm forcing everyone to watch it. And uh, the first watch, I was like, okay, I think it's my second favorite Jordan Peele film. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, I, I still really like Get Out a lot. But on the second watch through, I was like, no, this is like <laughs> my favorite horror movie, just period. I think I might have to rewatch uh, Get Out and then make a call. They might be tied. Yeah, they're both they're both good in very different ways. Yes. They were both Get Out was like the first I think we talked about it in like our first episode. That was the movie that like got me back into horror, especially yeah. like that movie going experience, because I saw it in a theater by myself while I was Ooh. still like in film school and that was really nice. That is nice. And then we saw this one in the drive in and it was also very good. It's like so I feel good. like that was the perfect like viewing spot for that it really was my only complaint about the drive-in are you you miss a bit of how cool the nighttime scenes can be Mm -hmm. just a little bit just like the first one first one but that could also be that i'm blind (laughs) that could be a contributing factor but for me that was the only complaint i had about the drive-in for it ah it's just so excited Ah! so like we said uh nope is jordan peele's third directorial movie Nope, the title itself is an acronym for Not of Planet Earth. It's a little unclear if that acronym was intentional or not. Yeah, yeah, I have a story about that. (laughs) I guess I could tell it now. I was watching, so I watched like a ton of interviews. And I watched the interview where he said that. And it was Kiki Palmer was with Jordan Peele. And they were doing an interview. And she was like, somebody asked like, had the fans gotten anything right? It was before the movie came out. And Kiki was like, yeah, some of the fans are saying it means not a planet Earth. That's, like, obviously not true. 
Mm. And then Jordan sat there for a second and he's like, no, it's true. And she's like, wait, really? And he's like, yeah, they got one thing right. And I can't uh, tell if he's joking or not. That's so funny. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. The, the only thing I could find in writing was that like, nope, just the idea of nope was the reaction that he wanted his audience to have while watching it. Yeah. And it definitely, it definitely happens a couple times throughout. It does. It's so funny. Uh, one of our mutual friends just showed it to her parents and she sent me a video of them. And like, there's a scene right before things really kick off in the movie where it's like kind of jump scary. And there's like this little alien guys coming out and it's dark and it's creepy. And she recorded them and they, they were literally on the edge of their seat going, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. <laughs> they're, like, they're like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's just. So funny. That's so funny. Like it's just so good to watch. So yeah, people people started attributing that acronym like as soon as they realized it was for UFOs, and I feel like he was he maybe adopted it afterwards. It's unclear. Yeah. Either way. I do love the ambiguity of it. Me too. The simplest way to describe this movie is that we have a pair of siblings who are investigating a potential UFO only to discover that it was an ancient creature that killed their dad. Yep. So you think it starts off as a UFO and then big plot, the UFO is actually a big old monster that eats people. I love it. I love Jean Jacket. That's the name of the monster, which we'll get into later. Mm. But uh, I love Jean Jacket. Yes. It's so good. It poops out metal and anything that is not fleshy. And if it's sick to its tummy, it will throw out blood all over everything. Yeah, it's real gross. <laughs> Sensitive. <baby>. Jean jacket <laughs> it's has IBS. <laughs> oh, no. So, so Jean Jacket, the creature itself, uh, represents the spectacle of tragedy and our, abil- mm. our inability to look away. So I have some like background into how that as a concept came to be. Ooh. Just from like some of the some of the pre-production I know notes. I heard Jordan Peele talk about like the looking at a car crash as you go by it. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely part of it. So Essentially, Monkey Paw Studios, which is like his production company, right, got signed Mm -hmm. to a three film deal. And when he started writing this was like at the beginning of COVID. And so there was a lot of concern about whether or not the theater like as an industry would would die because like obviously people aren't able to go to theaters to watch movies and stuff. And Mm -hmm. we were seeing a lot more being released straight to streaming or, you know, direct video, that type of thing. And so in combination with like the isolation and that threat, like looming, he said that he needed to put together a spectacle. So something that would like draw people back to movie theaters and also just like be incredible to look at and awful at the same time. He nailed it. Yeah. (laughs) And so I've seen it, I've read a couple of interviews where he's like, you know, in hindsight, that fear of like theaters dying might not be as present because we've seen that like, you know, people don't actually care. Right. <laughs> attendance will, will go up for like movies that people really want to see. He wrote it during COVID. And do you want to know, do you want to know an especially wild fact? Yes, of course I do. So the movie opens up with a flashback uh, where a chimpanzee uh, gets a little aggravated and kills a whole bunch of people on a TV set. 
did say he goes ape shit. He does. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'll I'll see myself out. Goodbye. That whole scene uh, was based on a nightmare that Jordan Peele had and oh. tweeted about in 2014. Oh my gosh! So he so, so he had a, a dream that a chimp like killed a bunch of people and then it hugged him and was crying. And he Aww. woke up and he was like, oh, my God. And I guess it stuck with him because it is a very yeah. integral part of the movie. It is. I think it's the part that confuses people the most, too. Yeah. Uh, pretty much everything with the Gordy, with that's the chimp mm. and Jupe confuses people a lot. I have found I, I didn't it didn't confuse me. So whenever I went to read other people's reviews, I was like, wait, people were very confused. Mm. <laughs> I didn't realize. Yeah. This movie is also the first horror movie to be shot in 65 millimeter film. Oh, it was it was shot on IMAX cameras. We'll get into like so like some of the creative solutions they had to like come up with because of those cameras. Yeah, I'm very excited for that. Yeah, because it gets it gets real uh, technical. Yeah, it's it's very neat. His cinematographer um, actually has done a a number of movies with Christopher Nolan. That's like his go-to guy. Huh. Yeah. Very interesting. 65 millimeter and IMAX in general is kind of a pain to work with because like, like you see in the movie when you're working with film, like it gets used up pretty quickly. And so you have to like change it out during production and be mindful of like how much is on each reel. And with IMAX, the, the picture is super clear, right? But mm-hmm. when you start shooting stuff that is very dark, uh, you get a lot of grain and like noise on the screen, like the fuzzies that you see and like the, the blackest parts of screen mm-hmm. sometimes. But they didn't get that. Well, there's a reason for that. And it's oh. very cool. <laughs> I have two like things that will absolutely blow your mind. I'm ready. That you may so have seen. Ready. So because this movie deals with a creature that we think is a ufo right we look at the mm-hmm. sky a lot all of the skies in this movie are cgi oh yeah you were telling me that that's wild yeah it's like they look at the sky a lot so yeah you can't tell you can't tell at all oh there was a lot of like research and work that had to be done by the special effects crew because the other thing with imax because everything is so high detailed right even if you're running a simulation like if it looks off even a little bit people are gonna pick it up yeah so they did a ton of work to make sure that like all of the clouds looked good especially when when jean jacket is hiding in the sky and then the other cool thing that they did is that i don't know if it was all of them but a good number of the scenes that were like at night were filmed actually during the day Oh, that's, huh? How did they do that? I don't know. I don't know anything about making films. Other, th- I just watched them. Yeah. Do you know what uh, day to night is? No. So it's essentially when you have a scene that is at night, but you don't want to like either film that late or you can't because of like technical limitations. Um, you will essentially film things and then color it in post to make it look like it is night. Oh, And so like we, I've had to do that for like a couple of things when I was in film school. And so like traditionally what you could do is like, if you're shooting indoors, you could use like a 
film that was colored for daylight. That'll make things a little bit more blue. And then you can also use like gels and like to to color the windows and all that stuff and use as many like blackout curtains and things you want to like give the appearance that it is nighttime. So they were just like straight up genius in this film. Yeah, day for night usually looks pretty off like you can kind of tell but to get the most out of their visual quality what they did is they invented a new way of shooting day for night scenes so they invented it they invented it so they used a two camera rig one of them was an infrared camera which created these very high contrast black and white images and then they used that with lay with lasers uh, and a second camera, which like captured the color of like what was being recorded. And then they would use that high contrast film and overlay it and color it so that it looked more like what the human eye sees. So there was still like a bit of like fine tuning that they had to do with focus and color and post, but like the results are incredible. Like you can't, yeah. you, you just straight up cannot tell that. Most of this was shot during the day. I don't think anybody can, I don't know anybody that could tell. Mm-hmm. Huge shout out to the, the special effects supervisor, um, Guillaume Rocheron. He has worked on like the new Godzilla movies. Um, he worked on Life of Pi. His, he worked on Fast Five. His, his credits are wild, but he worked very closely with the cinematographer to like make sure that stuff looked good. And it also, since they were like filming with actual lights, it gave them like more room to play with lighting. They were able to do things like, you know, shine a light in an actor's face to get their pupils dilating and stuff like that. So it was very, very That's so much work that went into it. I mean, I knew that there was, but like I didn't know at that scale, like they invented something, which is Mm -hmm. really cool. I mean, this movie has to win awards. I know it's not about the awards, blah, 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 blah. But, like, come on. No, it is It is the visual effects and the sound design yeah. that, like, really make, <gasps> like, contribute to <laughs> <laughs> what makes this movie scary. Yeah, the, the sounds that Jean Jacket makes are, they're so cool and so scary. I heard, like, a sound kind of similar. I was in the car and I heard a sound like that and I instantly was, like, looking around. I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just like that popping sound. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. It's real. It's real intimidating. Mm-hmm. This was filmed from June to November of 2021 in Agua Dulce, which is in California. Oh, yeah. I knew it was a real place. You can actually go to the, the amusement park. I did not know that. Yeah, they have it there. I don't know if it's if it was just a pop up, um, but I know like the cast was there for a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. That's really cool. I would go. Me too. They've got a huge nope section for Universal Horror Nights or whatever that that like yearly thing they do. Yeah. Oh my god, I want to go so bad. It looks very cool. Hoyt Van Hoytema is the is the cinematographer for this movie. Like I mentioned, he did all those Christopher Nolan things. He was also the yeah. cinematographer for Call of Duty Vanguard, which seems wild <laughs> to me. What? Okay. I don't know how that works. I don't play Call of Duty, but. I don't either, but I mean, I know it's like a lot of work and I guess it kind of makes sense if he's like, he did like a bunch of cool Mm -hmm. CG stuff for this, so. Yeah. 
So that's all the that's all the the camera work that went into <laughs> this movie and some of the special effects. The design of Jean Jacket itself, um, it essentially has like two forms. So the first form is like, oh my gosh, I see the little part. That's so funny. Yeah. That's that's actually I would go to that. I would go to that too. So yeah, Jean Jacket has two forms. The first one is very simple. It just kind of looks like an off-white traditional ufo shape it's got like mm-hmm. a i think in lore it's like 250 foot hole in the middle of it oh and then on the inside is it's like big green eye um, i love it and it all is based off evangelion yeah yeah especially Confirmed. its second form yeah well there is uh there's an angel in ava apparently i don't remember it but it's just like a disc like it looks like a flying saucer Mm -hmm. so i was like oh (laughs) yeah in the lore itself the jean jacket is supposed to be like very light and it uses um like charged ions to keep it afloat Mm. like within the lore that they developed for this creature they said it essentially like emits an electronic field around it like an eel would yeah it seemed like it had an eel field yeah and then like that ripply effect kind of like a sail so it's just like floating along air currents and electricity like you mentioned evangelion was a huge inspiration especially for what they called its biblical angel form i i love i I love biblical angels (laughs) they're so scary and i love them and they also used uh jellyfish as like for that form i think specifically for how it traveled you can very much see that fun Fun fact about the Evangelion reference. They also are drinking Kieran beer, which is the beer that they drink in Evangelion. Oh, it's in funny. several scenes of Evangelion. So they like you can see it only sometimes, but like whenever they're drinking beer, it's the same brand of beer as it. That's it's so funny. Great. <laughs> he also put an uh, Akira slide in it. Yes. A motorcycle slide, and it's so good. It's so good. We cheered. We just we cheered. <laughs> he wants to <laughs> add it to the montage. That's so good. It's I'm really I'm always here for an Akira bike slide. Yeah, it's I love it. Backtracking a little bit to the very beginning of the movie, which I think I talked about maybe ten minutes ago. Um, <laughs> that whole scene, you're straight up not allowed to use chimpanzees like in film or TV anymore, and they even reference that like in the movie. Mm-hmm. Because it can go very badly. Very and it quickly. has. A huge part of this movie is that, like, even if animals are trained, like, some of them, like, they're still animals and some of them mm-hmm. cannot be tamed. There's a difference. Just like Britney bet- Spears said. <laughs> I think she said it. There's a difference between being trained and being tamed. And OJ says that, like, some animals just, like, can't be tamed. <laughs> Oh, it's Miley Cyrus. I don't know why I said this. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I'm so sidetracked. Okay, sorry, 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 sorry. That's okay. So Gordy is a chimpanzee that shows up like throughout the movie. Um, it's very clearly like you can tell it is CG, but the person who played Gordy is named Terry Notary, and he did Planet of the Apes, and he was also in Kong Skull Island. So he has some experience playing monkeys. He's <laughs> experience playing he is he has experienced playing chimps and apes and all that good stuff to get like the scaling right for him because they didn't put him in like a traditional like mocap suit you know with like all the ball and stuff 
they had him essentially like in a giant thing and then they had a bunch of camera i think like six cameras set up so they could get him like from a ton of angles wandering oh. around the set kind of like you would for i feel like a lot of video games do this now just like a multi-cam setup so that you can yeah. like, see stuff and like really get the expressions because that was another thing that they wanted to highlight it's just like the the humanity in gordy's eyes and stuff yeah gordy makes me sad gordy and dupe make me so sad yeah and they so like they actually had this guy like in a similar like sweater to what gordy is wearing in the movie and the set itself was like built to scale so it was like you know a third larger i think is what i read so that it looked like you know he was just a little a little monkey in a big like set (laughs) dang that's cool yeah that scene is whenever you actually see that scene like way later in the movie it is it just it's a lot Mm -hmm. i've got a lot to discuss about that scene when we get (laughs) when we get to that i've got so many thoughts in my head i think i've like come to a conclusion about what i think Mm -hmm. yeah yeah but we we can continue on yeah (laughs) i think that is that is it for my pre-production notes so after we get past the monkey flashback scene I know it's I know monkeys and chimps are Yeah, it's diff- a great ape and I'm not correcting you because I'm good at not <laughs> correcting people. It's like a Frankenstein Frankenstein's monster I thing. Like we just to hold my tongue. I was <laughs> I was talking about this at work the other day. So like my I have autism and I always want to correct people and that is like the one fact i always want to correct people like a gorilla will show up and people go monkey and they're joking (laughs) but i'm just sitting there like seething like i'm Mm. like don't do it don't be that person don't be it and it's gotten to where people in the like in a voice chat they can't see my face they can tell Mm. that i'm thinking like it's not a monkey like they can can tell because i just stopped talking i might i might inadvertently like use it like in- interchangeably, but it is a chimpanzee. It's an ape. It's an ape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once we get past that, we are put in another flashback that is in more modern times. So OJ mm. and his dad are trying to tame a horse named Ghost, and then they hear some weird noises. They maybe hear some people scream. Mm-hmm. OJ is played by David Kalua, who is in I Get Out. Him. And he's so good. I, I realized I was looking at he was in he's in a Black Mirror episode. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. Uh, it's like a, the is it the it's social like a, media one? No, it's the or? American Idol one. Like they're all in these. Yeah, pods. Yeah, 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 yeah. That one is really good. That one is really good. I do remember that. He like likes that girl and then she ends up getting like recruited to do porn or whatever. And then he just like gives up. But then he ends yes. up getting recorded. Yeah, it's good. It's good. I remember that now. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes, yes. That one is a good one. He's just a fantastic actor. He's such a good actor. Everyone in this was amazing. Yeah, I did read that he is like potentially because, you know, he's not going to be in the next Black Panther movie. He's done a ton like within the past even like five years, let alone mm-hmm. like the decade. Um, so he's like taking a step back from acting to like look at other things that he can potentially do. That's fair. I mean, he's been going like nuts. Yeah. OJ's dad is played by Keith David. <laughs> he's not he's not in this movie <laughs> we, long enough. We were both like Keith David and then he dies. <laughs> like it's we were like, oh, oh goodbye, okay. Keith David. He gets uh he gets 
impaled by a quarter that goes through his eye in a very traumatic and sad scene. Yeah, I did see an interview with Jordan Peele where he was talking about how he specifically wanted Keith David. He was like, no one else can like play the gravity of this character because of mm-hmm. even though he dies, like he's has to be that character, like mm-hmm. for anything to make sense for their characters, their sibling like bond for any of it to make sense. He has to be like Keith David. <laughs> he does. He has a vibe. He does. He has a, a vibe for sure. He's Anderson in Mass Effect. He's the voice of Goliath and Gargoyles. He's done so many. He's, he's Dr. He's the cat. He's the cat in Coraline. This is, yeah. this is not the first time that we've talked about Keith David and just <laughs> and how much we both love last. him. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he dies very quickly and shows up in like one scene later. After that, uh, they have a they have a ranch where they raise horses and train them for Hollywood productions. Um, and so like in order to maintain his family's legacy and you know, it is like a self-imposed isolation that oj puts himself in mm-hmm. kind of i feel like the vibe that that keith david maybe brings into this is like a respectable masculinity yeah and so oj takes that to like an extreme and is like no i have to do this thing alone even if i'm not happy like, exactly he's like i gotta do this for my dad like this is the family business it's important yeah. After his dad's death, like a couple months later, he goes to a film set and to shoot a commercial, I think, and it goes very badly because um, he's not great with the people he's skills. Not great. And then his sister shows up, and she is great with the people skills, but she's not great with the business skills. They they complete <laughs> each other in that way. Yeah, I love I love Emerald. She's so good. I do too. She's amazing. She's a Katie lot. Palmer's just good. She really is. Apparently, he, like, knew that he was going to, like, he, Jordan Peele said he knew everyone he was going to cast, except for Angel. He was mm-hmm. a walk-in audition. And yeah. um, we'll, we'll get to him more later, but fun fact, that actor, he read the script and read the lines and, like, did his audition. And he did it in a, to- like, that character, Angel, was supposed to be, like, kind of a nerdy, like, gamer guy. Like, a, well, actually, kind of person. So I saw like <laughs> I saw Happy Go Lucky out there a couple times. Yeah, he read it as like a Chad and like a mm. like just like a more like a gamer bro, like more less League of Legends, more Call of Duty type guy. One, and- <laughs> in one interview that I saw, he said that he saw Angel as like a quote Hispanic emo, and that's <laughs> great. I mean, that's what he played. It's true, mm. and it's just like he did so good and. Uh, Jordan Peele in the interview was saying like that's what they needed like they, they he was like yeah like this is actually who the character needs to be and mm-hmm. how they got Angel to be Angel and Angel is great the whole time yeah he he definitely brings like some of the comedic relief uh, yeah. him to and it, Kiki Palmer sure. mm-hmm. him and Emerald she also does like a very good job of like just like terrified though oh yeah yeah <laughs> like, like honestly um that scene where she is introduced and she is talking about their family history that was improv so they shot that scene like 14 times oh and he God. said that like each time was so different that it was like almost impossible to cut together in <laughs> editing because he just like turned on the camera and was like go for it say things <laughs> within the fiction they are related to the man who was like in the first motion picture, basically. Yeah. The first like progression of 
film. It was like 24 frames per second, a very mm-hmm. famous horse thing. Yes. So in real life, we do not know uh, that man's name. We know the man who like took those pictures and put together the the actual like moving horse that everybody has seen. But the jockey who is riding the horse has been like forgotten to time, probably intentionally. Sad. It's really sad. And so in the context of the story, they are like his great, 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 however many great grandchildren. It makes me happy to that like they brought that into this movie to like kind of bring yeah. him back to life in a way. And so they have been their family has been like in film since film began and they've been raising horses and other animals since then. During that introduction scene, we're also introduced to Antlers, who is like this very gravelly <laughs> cinematographer who is like a play on uh, Werner or Warner Herzog a little bit. Mm. Just this like very pretentious and very dry guy who is like he's, focused on the visuals more than anything he's else. So dry. Oh, also fun fact for this scene: if you look, the cameras look like the little aliens that you see later. That was intentional. I did not know that. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, the horse freaks out because they stick a reflective thing in its eye and they lose the job, and they're going to use a CG horse instead. Like very quickly after that, we realized that in order to keep the family business running, OJ has been selling his father's horses to Jupiter, to Jupe. Jupe. The the child star uh, who was in the, the sitcom where a bunch of people got killed Murdered. by a chimpanzee. Yeah, Jupe is like so complex. I, I think it's interesting. I think a lot of people don't like Jupe at first, but I instantly felt bad for him. Like that... That guy has so much trauma. That guy has <laughs> really so does. much trauma. Like, oh man, he needed therapy. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Get this man some therapy, please. He's played by Stephen Ewan, who most people know from The Walking Dead. I need to watch, what is it, Minori? Is that the movie he did that was supposed to be super good? Oh, I don't know. Like I need year. to watch that too. He was also Keith in Voltron. He's had a couple of voice acting roles. He did Mayhem uh, with... Uh, da, 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 with, with uh, What's her name? What's her name? What's her name? Mm. I love her so much. What is her name? Samara Weaving? Yes. Samara Weaving. I love her. She's so good. Who is she? Oh, she's in um, Ready or Not. Okay, okay. okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So they did did that one. They did that one together. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Jupe is the owner of Jupiter's Claim which is the amusement park in the area. It's literally like right next door to their family ranch. Like they share a a fence. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to like. He's just, he's good. I love Steven Ewan so much. He's like, he's so good at playing the complex character. Cause when you meet Jupe, Jupe is like very confident. And he's like, um, Emerald is asking him about all the memorabilia on the wall. And she's like, you were in this, you were in this. And she's like, what's this? And it's the poster for Gordy's home. And he's like, oh, let me show you. And like the whole time, OJ's just trying to do like a deal. And it's important mm-hmm. to note that in that deal, he's like, hey, I want to buy my horses back. And Jupe is like, uh, yeah, for <laughs> sure you can buy uh-huh. those horses. And like on a first watch, too, you're like, huh? <laughs> but oh like you boy. think he maybe just like feels bad for him because yeah. he probably knows his dad and but stuff. No. Like, <laughs> 
No. That's not no. the case. But anyway, he like um he takes them to the secret room he has where he's got all this Gordy's home memorabilia, which like red flag, man. And he was the only he was the only surviving cast member from that incident. Yeah. He had one surviving cast member. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. The girl that he says he had a crush on. Yes. And she gets disfigured because yeah, she Gordy, gets attacked like, by Gordy. Rips her face off. It's very brutal. Very. Um, but he he's talking about it in this scene in such a weird way. Like he's describing like, oh, yeah, people pay to like come stay in here. I made this much money off of that. And he's like, this is his actual shirt. And oh, mm-hmm. they did an SNL skit. And then he goes on to talk about the SNL skit. But like. You can just see like what a good actor. You can tell the like pain behind his eyes. Like right. he's like, oh, it's hilarious. It's so funny. I make all this money off of this, but mm-hmm. you can just like tell yes. that he's got eighty million things going on in his head, and he does because he's also trying to befriend an alien. <laughs> yes, he he is definitely covering up that trauma under a veil of like capitalism and yeah. humor. Yeah, and like. Maybe, maybe nobody else can tell, but like the audience sure can. Yeah, it's really sad. And uh, Steven Yuen even said that he got really depressed from playing this role. Like it actually made him sad. Like he had to like pull himself out of it at times because it was very similar to growing up in Hollywood. Mm, I could see. I could see that for yeah. sure. Like he just, he was like, it was just a really heavy role to play. If you grew up in Hollywood, grew up as a child actor, you're like, I mean, we're seeing like all of these horror stories from like Nickelodeon specifically Mm -hmm. recently. Like, I'm I'm sure it was awful. Yeah, exactly. He literally watches Gordy get shot like right in front of him. We find that out later for the the fist bump that they were like famous for. Um, And that would be very, very traumatizing. Yeah, I, I, the stuff he saw, we get to see the whole scene later, but basically, like, a balloon pops, and Gordy just goes crazy. He's, like, ripping people apart. He, like, is, I think it's the girl who's disfigured. She's, like, crying, and he hears Mm. her crying and turns back around and just, like, beats her until she stops moving, and it's, like, oof. Mm -hmm. Like, very brutal. That scene is a lot. Yes. But before we get into that, they are like figuring out the stuff's going on. Cause mm. Ghost Ghost runs away. Ghost is just like, nope. And then that scene is so freaking cool. OJ like chases after Ghost and it's nighttime, which we now know is actually daytime. Mm. <laughs> Thanks to knowledge. But it's nighttime. And you can hear in the distance and see you can see like what looks like a tornado. You could hear mm. in the distance Jupe being like, what if I told you in an hour you'll leave here different? Like, he's, like, doing a speech. Yeah, he's practicing for his ne- his new show. Yeah, and it's just, like, that's weird. And then you hear, like, a really weird scream sound, and, like, the power gets all buggy. And mm. they're like, what is that? So they go out to buy <laughs> new cameras. That's where you meet Angel. Yes. He works at Fry's Electronics. <laughs> they're pretty suspicious, like, immediately that there is a UFO mm-hmm. uh, that is, like, creeping around and doing some weird stuff, like you said, causing their power their power to go out. Mm-hmm. And then we later find out that Jupe and his family have also seen this this alien for 
at least Six a months? couple of months. Think, yeah. yeah. It's like once a week or something. They've been feeding it horses. Yes. Uh, terrible. It's don't do that. I don't care about your trauma. I mean, I do care about his <laughs> trauma ball. So, oh my God, dude. Mm-hmm. Feeding it horses. Yes. Uh, we can get into into it in a bit. Yeah. In a little bit. We'll no, a, little, a little bit. I'm just excited. There's a lot to get into, but we have to get there first. It's the journey. Yes. It's the yes. journey. <laughs> yeah, because we have to meet Angel first and go to Fry's Electronics, which I still think is hilarious every time. That scene Fry's. was filmed after every single Fry's shut down. <laughs> so they had to reconstruct their own store. And they even had, uh, who was it? I think it was like the CEO of Fry's and his wife, something or, or something like that, be customers in the store. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. That's cute. Uh, so they had, to, they had to build their own Fry's because they're were no more <laughs> by the time production started rolling around oh no rest in peace fries i never went there but i went there once and did not buy anything because it was all very expensive yeah that's so funny yeah we meet angel who just seems like a very retail <laughs> yeah <laughs> like a very douchey it guy um and so they're buying cameras because they want to get a picture of the ufo but like how can they do that if all of their stuff dies, like their cameras and, and phones, like they die while the, the UFO is over them. So they go looking for equipment. These have a backup generator and he, <laughs> Angel is like, all right, so uh, do you need help installing this? And they're like, nope, I don't think so. And he's like, takes a look at their list. He's like, you guys are never going to be able to do this. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, could you? And he's like, oh yeah, easy. <laughs> And so they bring him in to uh, build or to to set up this new security system under the guise that they have been robbed. But it (laughs) very quickly, because he's like a conspiracy theorist, he's like, you guys looking for aliens? Yeah. Well, after he goes on a rant about his ex, that is the funniest thing in the movie. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So funny. He just gets out of the truck and just screams. And they're like, whoa, don't do that, man. They're like, what are you? Okay. What are you doing here? It's so funny. Yeah, he's like UFOs. He's like, sorry, sorry, I was in a bad mood earlier. My yeah. girlfriend just left me for a show on the CW. And he's like the fucking CW. He's like so mad. He's like, she was a model. And he's like showing them pictures, and they're just like, mm. uh, okay. So he sets it up and then asks them if like they would like for him to keep an eye on things as well because it streams to the cloud, I guess, and he can watch it. And they say no, but he does it anyways from the fries with his coworker. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Their interactions are really funny. And she just walks so up and good. scares. It's the most retail, legit, like it looks like retail. Like it just feels like an actual retail experience that mm-hmm. I've ever seen in a movie. And they're just like, she just like walks up eating hot Cheetos and he's like, huh. And she's like, what are you doing? And she's like, I don't know, stalking the usual. Uh-huh. It's like, okay. And she's like, listens into him freaking out over watching the cameras. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't get anything that first night because there is a praying mantis on one of the cameras and then they still die anyways, even with the backup generator. Yeah. 
still very scary though. And then Emerald leaves in the morning to go get more equipment, she says, and she comes back with the big metal horse that she stole from the amusement park. She does that before the nighttime thing because Angel's still there because it's very funny. And yeah, because there he's there. So in an interview, I watched so many interviews. Um, uh-huh. Jordan Peele said that this scene is actually very important because it's the only time that the main cast is all together, and it mm. really sets the tone for all of their characters. So she's stolen the horse, the like bait horse, and she has it out in front. They're setting it up as like actual bait for the alien spaceship. They think mm. it's a UFO at this point, um, and. They're standing out there looking at it with Angel, and Jupe drives up, and they're like, oh, no. And then Jupe's like... <laughs> standing at the edge of the fence. Jupe's like, hey, where'd you get that? And he says at the same time, the Emerald's like, where'd you get yours? Because he's like, we have some like that. And mm. then at, at some point, Angel says something. He's like, he's like, you can go now or something. And they're like, you don't live here. <laughs> like they're, they're just like, you don't live here. And then Jupe's like inviting them to their thing, and then he's like, thumbs up, thumbs up. And they're like, uh... Mm thumbs up and it's like so uncomfortable and in the interview jordan said that um it's an important scene because they all are so lonely in their own ways and they desperately want a connection there but they're all just too far apart like even Mm. physically as well as emotionally because jupe's like all the way at the fence and like Mm. he said it's important to show like they're all in their own little worlds at that point and like lonely and like dealing with their own stuff and they want that connection with each other, but they just can't. Mm. I think that's very cool. I like that a lot. Yeah. It's, it's really, they all have like very interesting dynamics between Mm -hmm. them all. And even like, even when the, the cinematographer joins them later, he's still like, he doesn't feel like a piece that fits into that. Like he's just doing his own thing. Yeah. And that's probably why he dies. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they, they don't get anything that first night. And then like very soon after, Jupe decides to do his show. Because mm-hmm. he has Lucky, the horse, and he's going to... Oh, there's a scene where uh, <laughs> where his kids, after <laughs> after they steal the metal horse, yeah. uh, Jupe's kids sneak onto the property and scare OJ. It's so funny. It's very good because they're dressed like stereotypical like little gray men from like roswell mm-hmm. this is funny it's very funny it's so cute They're like don't mess with jupiter's claim <laughs> and then emerald's like you want to prank us we'll prank you back and oj's like you stole their things and she's like oh mm-hmm. yeah i forgot about that <laughs> it's so funny and that night also the alien eats the metal horse mm-hmm. it sucks it up which is important because again yes. it has ibs <laughs> So we get to like the next day and Jupe is ready to put on his show. He's got an audience. He has invited the girl who was mauled by Gordy. And before the show like actually starts, he is like hyping himself up a little bit. Mm -hmm. One of the interesting things that this movie talks about is the idea of miracles and what OJ calls bad miracles, right? Yep. And so when you take these two characters and you have Jupe, who, like, despite this horrible scene, was left alive and relatively, like, unharmed uh, from his childhood. And even in those last moments, like, is able to maintain his relationship with Gordy. He gets kind of a savior complex a little bit. Like, it's a weird mix of, like, he wants to take the miracle that was given to him. 
and like give it to other people. Yeah. But like very much for his own personal I gain. think it's like so I don't think for me I don't think it's as much of a savior complex as it is like mm. he genuinely thinks he's doing good. And mm. like he's also trying to heal himself and he doesn't know how to. There was a line that I I meant to like I meant to write down during our second viewing that like kind of affirmed that to me that he kind of thought he was untouchable because he survived that incident and like part of him might have thought he could have been friends with Jean Jacket too. Yeah. I definitely think he thought that for sure. Yes. I don't think there's any malicious intent behind Jupe, though. Like, at all. No, no, no. I think you can, like... I think you can want to, like, uplift yourself in a non-malicious way. I guess I just always think of Savior Complex as, like, really bad. Like, just a bad thing to have. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. For sure. Um, So he starts to put together the show... He says, in an hour, uh, your lives are going to be changed. This UFO is going to come down and uh, my boys are going to sing a song. It's so and cool because it's the last hour of the movie after he says that. It's so cool. But the alien starts to come much sooner than that because uh, <laughs> this thing does not like being looked at. Yep. And so with all these people staring at it in the clouds... It decides to come out early and scoops them all up, much like a tornado would do. A little vacuum cleaner. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's horrifying. OJ comes by, like, very close to that, like, the aftermath of that and realizes that, like, oh, hey, that's not a UFO. That's a monster. Yeah, it, like, swoops down over him. He's like, Mm -hmm. oh, Oh no, that's a living mm. thing. Would you like to know some behind the scenes for for the the guts of this jean jacket? Oh, would I? Okay. <laughs> so, one uh it shows like it shows a couple times these people being uh consumed, digested almost. It's real gross. Mm, it's gross. It's real fleshy and the sound effects are very bad. Mm. In a good way. It, yes. <laughs> it's it's terrible because, like, these people can tell that they are going to die. Like, they have enough time to recognize that. And they're just, like, powerless to stop it. And so, like, you can hear them screaming as Jean Jacket is flying around. It's so scary. It's so scary. <laughs> <laughs> In order to film that, they took a horizontal, semi-transparent set that they built out of like paneling and they stuck leds behind it that made it look like peristalsis so like that's the like automatic like contracting that your intestines do to like push food and then they added the bodies in posts so they're digital body doubles what that's so yeah it's, it's mostly it's mostly practical um except for like the people themselves that's pretty nuts. Yeah. We get like probably the most visually upsetting uh, moment very soon after this. It's so good though. It's so good though. Because the creature flies back over the house where Angel and Emerald are like trying to keep an eye on it. And and it starts to rain. It starts to pour. There's a noise. Horrific noise. Yes. You hear like a squelch. And then it like roars and then just 
drops a whole bunch of fluid and metal and all the stuff that it can't digest at once. Yeah. And so you get this like bloody thunderstorm because it's also electrical. It's so cool. And so it like stains the house and the windows red and like bits of metal keep shooting down at high speeds. And that's how Otis Sr. died because mm-hmm. it ate a, a bunch of hikers and then spit out their coins. Yep. So that was the bad miracle. It was just like a, a freak accident, apparently. But it was this creature. Yeah. Who OJ says that like thinks that this plot of land is is its. It's home. It, it thinks that's where it lives, but only because Troop kept freaking feeding it Mm -hmm. like it probably would have left yes but Joop kept feeding it so after it does the the bloody poop rain uh, (laughs) (laughs) after it has its ibs episode it starts to head back towards uh oj who is traveling in a van uh the van dies it does the really it because like when it gets closer, it's playing music over the radio and it starts to like slow down mm-hmm. before everything dies. I think this is another scene that they shot day to night because like it just looks very good while he's it sitting in the car like, trying to watch stuff. Yeah, and Angel's music is still like slowly playing in the distance too. Mm-hmm. Right before this, he like makes the realization that like, oh, if I don't want to get eaten, I should not look at this thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Because he does that like outside the car and then he gets inside and starts driving towards the house. And then it drops the metal horse like into his front windshield. I think that's the only like jump scare in this movie. That's the only big jump scare. It's it's a valid jump scare. (laughs) That happens. Our cast is understandably very scared and they decide to regroup. Angel assumes that they're just going to kind of give up and let this thing like... (laughs) have the land they take him back <laughs> he takes him back to his apartment and he's got a of course he has like a bitcoin like mining system oh my God. He, yeah he's playing vr while smoking a joint yes. <laughs> i do think I, I do want to say about the scenes that we just talked about before mm-hmm. uh that though that segment of scenes is probably like one of my favorite in horror because they like pan mm-hmm. out you see the house dripping in blood and just like people's reactions when they're watching that are my favorite just so mm-hmm. good and like uh i wear my sunglasses at night it's playing like slowly and distorted <laughs> in the background it's just so good definitely watch this movie it's so good well you should have watched it if you're listening to this <laughs> the only problem with like doing an episode this soon is that i cannot put clips into it oh yeah because because there are a bunch of like really cool ones that would be rad so to cool. show off so cool they decide that they are not going to give up on this creature because OJ doesn't want to lose his family's uh, land and Emerald still wants to like find success for herself and, and OJ like outside of that. I like her. I like her motivation because like she wants to step outside the shadow that her dad and family members have created, mm-hmm. but like also be like, hey, I was part of this and it was really cool. Yeah. That's why Jean Jacket is called that because she had a horse that she was supposed to train named Jean Jacket, and then Otis Sr. took over training and, like, never let her do it. And so yep. she felt, like, very left out and not a part of the, the family legacy. But OJ was, like, the only one to acknowledge her. Yeah. So They got a cool sibling dynamic going on. Yeah, they do a cool eye-pointy thing at each other. It's cute. Really cute. They're, they're very good. She is, like, primarily wearing his clothes throughout the, the movie. Yeah. I think she lives in, like, a like a trailer or something mm-hmm. as part of the grind. Part of the grind. 
Uh, she's on that grind mentality. <laughs> so after after the people get eaten, there's like news coverage about this mysterious event where all these people vanished. They get a hold of the cinematographer who they had met during the commercial. She had tried to like get him on board to capture footage of the alien before and he wasn't interested. But like after all these people go missing, he's like, oh, yeah, like I'm down to to, to now get I'm it. interested. I don't know why this has come up so so much for me recently, um, but with his character specifically, he kind of talks about the idea of like creative versus monetary endeavors. Because the whole reason he was on that commercial was to like get money to fund his own passion projects, which is also something that like I heard a lot from all of my film professors. Right? They were like, "Oh, you know, you're gonna have to do some like really shitty jobs in order to like." have a little bit of time to put out the stuff that you really care about, which just seems huh. kind of toxic to me. It does not seem bad. Great. Very depressing. <laughs> I, I would think. Yeah. And so that is like part of his, his endeavor. This is like the one thing that like nobody else can do. And so like, he is down to it for, for the glory and to like, and to like cement his legacy. Legacy is a big thing in this one. And so he goes out to join them. He brings his own IMAX camera that is manual and relies on a crank to record stuff. They raid the the, the, the amusement park and steal all the wacky inflatable tube men. <laughs> I love the wacky inflatable tube men. It's so smart. They steal those and the car batteries from all the dead people's cars and they hook up this like elaborate system so that they can tell where a uh, jean jacket is. Cause like as it's flying over, the tube men will like deflate and sink to the ground. Yeah. Super smart. They are determined to like capture this thing. They've got on. Oh, that was another, that was another thing, right? Cause that was in that same vein as the antlers guy. Mm -hmm. It talks about how, if you are like on that grind in the film industry, right? It's not always glamorous. Like those horses that OJ and his dad were trading, didn't end up getting used because they wanted to use camels for the scorpion king. Oh, yep. Yeah. And so, like, but they still have the, like, crew hoodies, this bright orange thing that yeah. he puts, like, fake eyes in the back of. It's incredible. So it's good. So good. So, yeah, they have it set up. They are, <laughs> they are going to, like, get this thing and get their Oprah shot and the be Oprah set shot. forever. And then, like, right as soon as they're about to do that, some guy in a motorcycle rolls up. He's got on a reflective helmet, and he starts asking Emerald a bunch of questions. Like, don't you want to be famous? Like, come on, talk to me. And she gets on the radio, and it's like, shit, it's TMZ. Yes, it's TMZ. It's so good. The TMZ guy is so funny. It's his, uh, in the credits, his name is edward moybridge who is the guy who like that's the name of the guy who shot that horse footage oh, at the very beginning of the movie oh that's interesting so yeah there's a like it's like a nice flip like huh. you only know his name in the credits and then we don't get to see his face at all because he's just got that shiny that's a really nice on. flip i like that that's a cool detail i did not know i didn't read about that that's very cool yeah yeah so he is like okay well Screw y'all, I'm going to get the footage myself. Like, you missed your opportunity. Yeah. And so he starts riding along. <laughs> and, and then Angel's on the radio and he's like, what happens when uh, a motorcycle going 60 miles an hour meets a, 
or suddenly loses power. Yeah. <laughs> you watch from yeah. a distance as he just like flies over his handlebars yes. when the motorcycle dies. He goes, ah! <laughs> so funny. It's and they're so... like, oh, he's dead. And then he starts screaming because his arm is broken. Yeah. <laughs> OJ doesn't want to let him die. So he starts like riding the horse out there and he's like going to save him. But this dude like won't stop looking at Jean Jacket because he's understandably like freaked out by this thing in the sky that's like coming closer. And even like until the moment of his death. He is like, take my camera, like get footage, like you got to get this thing. <laughs> and then OJ is like, yeah, no, I can't stick around for this. And so he also gets picked up tornado style and gets eaten by Jean Jacket. Yeah, they warn him. Yeah, they did. They tried to get him to leave. She was like, oh, you're going to want to go around like this long way in order to get to uh, the amusement park. So it is his own hubris that leads to his death. Um, they almost get the shot. Uh, of Jean Jacket uh, as it like scoops him up to eat him, but they miss it because they had to swap the uh, film canister, which to me was the most stressful part of the movie because <laughs> swapping out film in the daylight is like awful. It's, <laughs> it's terrifying. Um, and so like they're trying to get as much footage as possible with a little hand crank thing and, and just barely miss it. Yeah. And then Antlers is like, I'm going to get it myself. I'm going to get the shot. I'm going to get the shot. (laughs) He goes out and he starts filming and uh, almost gets Angel killed because like it tears up the the shack that they're hiding in uh, or their little like setup. Um, And he gets scooped up as he's filming and so you get to see, like, from the camera's perspective of it looking up at Jean Jacket and then, um, like, the insides a little bit before the camera gets destroyed. Yeah. Sad. I mean, wouldn't it poop out the camera? I guess it'd be messed up, though. Maybe. I mean, because, like, if the camera falls out, because it's not going to digest it, like, even if it did, like, live after that, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, if the film got exposed to sunlight, then there's no... That's so sad. Saving Rest it. in peace, man. Oh, that guy, that guy's a dingus. But then it's the coolest part. It's so freaky. Just this whole last bit is just ah! I just want to watch it over <laughs> and over again. It's so good. Jean Jacket is fucking pissed. Jean Jacket is done. <laughs> Jean Jacket's like, I just want people to not like fucking look at me. Like, mm-hmm. just stop looking at me. And they they're recording it now, and they're like tricking it into coming out. They're making it eat like it ate some barbed wire. It's like mm. it it's eating like the wacky inflatable men and it's like, okay. So after, <laughs> after it eats the cameraman, that's when they're like, okay, yeah, we we just gotta leave. Like we can't deal with this anymore. Yeah. Angel gets wrapped up in a tarp and barbed wire and like gets flown out into the middle of the thing as it's like doing a sweep. Uh he was originally supposed to die, but they rewrote it so that his character could live. I'm so glad they did. Yeah. Because he's great. Mm-hmm. It's so good. So yeah, then there's a moment between because uh, because Emerald steals the TMZ man's uh motorcycle. Uh because she mentioned that she is a trained motorcycle stunt person at the beginning of the movie when she's like hyping herself oh, yeah, up. Yeah, she does. As a nice callback. Oh, we see we see Jean Jacket. In the background. Yeah, it's and it, so it turns cool. into its biblical it's so angel cool. form. The way it's shot, 
it's like OJ standing there telling her, like, go get the bike. And he's like, I'm going to get the horse. And it's like mm-hmm. through a window or through the door in a barn. You can see mm-hmm. it like growing and becoming kind of jellyfish like. And I was just yeah. like, oh, oh, what's <laughs> it happening? It like turns inside out. Like, you know, those little plushy jellyfish where like yeah. one side is happy and the, it's like that, except it gets much bigger. It gets after so you turn big. Into the angry it's face. so pretty. It's so pretty. I love it so much. I love Jean Jacket. Yes. So you th- you get the impression that OJ is like prepared to sacrifice himself in order to like save his sister. They have a moment where like because obviously the motorcycle won't start with Jean Jacket like right over. Um, mm-hmm. They're avoiding eye contact. OJ like rides out to a distance and starts staring at it, and then we get the full square green eye. <laughs> it's making these sounds. It's like whoa, yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. and like goes in and out to like look at both of them so it's like a pulsing thing Mm -hmm. oj starts to ride away until the motorcycle can start emerald starts racing towards the amusement park she has a plan uh she takes the big inflatable uh jupe and and lets it loose uh, because it's got an eyeball and it's doing finger guns like oh He'll think it's looking at him. Jean Jacket will definitely think this is looking at him. <laughs> OJ gets messed up a little bit. I think he like falls over or something. It's like, he gets injured at His some point. His leg is like hurt. Yeah. And he, yeah. so he has to get on the horse and like lead it away a little bit. So he's like run off. Yes. Jean Jacket takes the bait and goes after the giant balloon mascot. It's so good. And M is like using the the manual crank well camera that we see at the beginning of the movie it's like a good callback like a wishing well um that you like look in and you can take the picture that way and it's like a straight picture up and so as jean jacket is like coming towards and like wrapping itself around the the balloon she is like just trying to take as many pictures as possible and then it eats it and it blows up kind she of she gets the oprah shot yes it's she so gets good. A good shot of it like right overhead it's so good it just blows up it's so funny it just eats it and then it just <laughs> and maybe dies i think Unclear. it's clear i think it's dead but jordan peele has said that he wants to do another movie in this wants, universe with yes. these aliens so mm. i don't know if it's relatives are gonna be like what the fuck yeah, like, kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> well, because like that was uh, another interview that I read was like, you know, they keep calling it the biblical angel. Um, Jordan Peele said that the creature came from a, diff- a different planet that was like similar to Earth, but like there's no exact timeline when. Mm-hmm. So the theory is that like people in the past could have seen Jean Jacket or something very similar Ooh, and yeah, saw yeah, yeah. it as like divine intervention and so there's no there's no telling how long jean jacket's been doing their thing that makes sense that makes sense it does start out with a bible verse too the movie does yeah mm-hmm. so. so yeah after they take the picture and jean jacket maybe dies uh the media starts rolling up and the last thing we see is uh oj like in the entryway of jupiter's claim and if you look at it, it kind of looks like a a frame 
because it's like it's got the the overhead and the two like mm-hmm. bars of the gate so it's like uh another callback to the like still frame yeah 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 some people think that oj is like dead but i don't no I don't see no it doesn't make any sense <laughs> he's not dead he just rode back and was like yeah you did it i don't uh-huh. think he's dead I saw one interview and they were like, some people think that OJ is dead. And he was like, I wrote like <laughs> I wrote a pretty clear like script and we filmed it. Like, I'm not going to provide an explanation for something that like <laughs> is very apparent. Like all of a sudden it's a ghost movie now or like, okay, like the ghost <laughs> can insta show up and the horse is also dead and a ghost. Like what? Right. I, I, it doesn't make any sense. Plus, like, that wouldn't, that still wouldn't make sense because Jean Jacket was chasing him the whole time. Right. Yeah, no. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the, that's the end of the movie. There's, uh, if you go to IMDb, there is a credit uh, for a character called Nobody who was originally wrote into the script, but, like, got taken out. Uh, so that character that got removed from the script still exists within the universe and could potentially be doing stuff either while the events of this movie are happening or afterwards. Huh. Yeah. That's interesting. A lot of people are trying to find info about this nobody character. Uh, But yeah, Jordan Peele is like, this is, I've built too cool of a universe to not go back to it. It's very cool. It's very cool. Yeah. And I would just love to see these characters again. And I think like if anyone could do a sequel, a horror sequel, it's Jordan Peele. Like mm-hmm. for sure, and I just I I, I love I love the, the like the alien is not even evil; it's just an animal. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that it's not like I'm here for world domination, blah blah blah. Right. It's just like it showed up here, and it's like ooh horsies, uh-huh. ooh a little hiking group, and it's like oh, oh snackies, and then it just yeah. goes away, <laughs> you know. And it's like don't look at me, don't look at me. I'm just here right. for snacks, you know. <laughs> Like you, Pavlov, rang the bell and gave it a bunch of horse mm-hmm. treats. Like you can't expect it to not eat you. Yeah, you gave it a bunch of horse treats and then invited a bunch of people to stare at it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So this movie has done pretty well, all things considered. Its ratings are like in the 80s, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to get on my, my soapbox just a little bit because I read a couple of of reviews from... Mostly like older critics who are like, oh, the movie is fine, but I just don't think it's it's deep enough. Like it's not hitting enough of the issues. What? Uh, and I feel like that view, like you're kind of missing the point if that's your argument yeah. to why you don't like this movie. Like Get Out and Us are definitely more blatant in their messages, but like still have enough ambiguity to dissect its themes and like it's it's cultural topics right Mm -hmm. especially in regards to racism and classism with the two respective movies but like the intent between the production of these things was different yeah like peel wanted to first and foremost like write a creature feature and he did that that. and also like still touched on hollywood's erasure of black history like the whole thing with their their ancestors and, you know, historical erasure, too, because like not all cowboys were white and a vast majority of them were yeah. not because yeah. like they just they just were not. Yep. And also, like we mentioned, touches on the realism of the industrial Hollywood that they are a part of, 
um, dealing with themes of creativity versus monetization and like the idea of making a profit, uh, a profit off of tragedy and trauma, which is like all that 2020 was. It really was. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, we have a lot of stuff about um, legacy and themes of masculinity. There are a ton of Easter eggs and and cool things about this movie soundtrack and visual design and like literally everything that are like shout outs to Mm -hmm. um, film history. Yeah, I feel like if you watch this movie and you because you can watch it, the general public can watch it and be like, this is an alien movie with some weird chimpanzee stuff that happened in that could be yes. like your takeaway. But I feel like if you're listening to this or if you went to write a review and you'd be like, I don't like it, you should maybe give it another watch through because there's so much going on. My my biggest thing with like the that takeaway is that like Jordan Peele doesn't have to be the one to like hold audiences hands Mm-mm. through cultural symbolism and significance in order to make a good movie. And it's really it's really fucking weird to put that expectation onto one person yeah and he's straight up said in interviews that like he doesn't want to do that all the time yeah because it's it's exhausting like no one person can be a source of of education for the shitty stuff that's going on in the world you know like he said sometimes i want to put together movies like get out and sometimes i just want to put together a movie like Mm -hmm. like like you said it's not even like this movie doesn't have huge important themes in it Mm-hmm. It's just that they're not as in your face. Right. And you can just, you can sit down and watch this movie and have a good time watching it. Because mm-hmm. like, Get Out, I have to mentally prepare myself to watch Get Out. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to feel sad. But watching, watching Nope, I can watch it without feeling sad. Like, the dupe stuff makes you a little sad. But right. I don't, I don't know. Like, that stuff they claim is missing is there. They just don't want to, like, put in the effort to exactly <laughs> there's yeah i saw a lot of reviews i was looking at reviews like a lot of people have really strong opinions against this movie and that's so strange mm. like some of people were like this was trash and i'm like what did yeah. we watch the same movie i feel like we did not watch the same movie the only thing the only thing this might be my my controversial take <gasps> on the movie in regards to like literally everything that i have just said there's been a lot of speculation over what the uh, the blue heel and the the studio represents, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't think it means anything. I think it's a red herring. I oh. think it's just a, a memory from a kid who went through a fucked up experience yep. and like has this one visual thing that he can cling on to that can like link back to it because I... everybody else is either like gone or you know like dead yeah i i think the same thing not not so much that it means nothing i think that i mean basically what you said like he has it on display like that and i think it represents like him profiting off his trauma so when he thinks of the memory he can only think of the shoe standing up like it's in the case like it's in that case like that like his memory's been tainted because he is profiting off of his trauma I think mm-hmm. that, that's what it is for me. I don't think it's anything else. But I think yes. it's just trauma because sometimes you misremember trauma, especially mm-hmm. if you're like fabricating it for profit, like for SNL skits. Like if you're doing that, like that seems very blatant, like about COVID or about like any trauma. Like, I mean, like the serial killer podcast and stuff, you know. Uh-huh. So I, I feel like it's just him implanting a memory in his head. Right. Because like, who knows? Maybe maybe she like did not magically set up like that 
but like that's how he remembers it and mm-hmm. so like that's how it's gonna be exactly but yeah i love this movie i, I think it's too. really good it's so good i could talk forever about the gordy tome scene but i won't so that you're not stuck here listening to this for a thousand <laughs> years but i i've got so much to say about it <laughs> uh please watch it please like if you've got a drive-in get out there uh, it should also come to streaming like probably right before thanksgiving i would guess is yeah. when it'll hit like digital platforms i think it's going to be on um paramount you can rent it for 20 right now oh okay there you go yeah you can rent it for 20 dollars, but i want to own it so yes <laughs> this is one that i will like seek out and get same i'll same. get a blu-ray of it for same, sure for sure yeah yeah we didn't God. go two hours i'm pleasantly surprised we didn't even go an hour and a half look at us I I was I felt myself rushing through. <laughs> you were worried. It was okay. It was okay. Towards the end. It's okay though. <laughs> I'm just gonna like in editing, I'm gonna add like a breath or I'll just like pitch it down. Like <laughs> I'll do a reverse Alvin and the chipmunk so that it's like <laughs> 75 speed. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna sound like Jean Jacket. Yeah, yeah. Do you have anything else to No, it's just good. It's just good. It's got biblical angels. It's got a bunch of eyeball imagery. It's got mm-hmm. creepy sound effects. It's got people being eaten alive. It's got it all. Yeah. Very, it's very good. It's very good. And it's we better were... <laughs> every time you watch it. Like, I know at the end of the last episode, we were like, oh, we're for sure going to talk about the house because we haven't oh, done yeah, an animated yeah. thing in a while. But like, <laughs> neither of us have been able to stop thinking about this movie. Yeah, so. I'm thinking about it constantly. I'm just, literally, I'm so, it, I don't know if my coworkers listen to my podcast, but if you do, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so sorry. I'm like, you should watch Nope. Hey, you should watch Nope. One of my coworkers doesn't even like horror, and I'm still like, hey, have you watched mm-hmm. Nope? And he's like, no. <laughs> like, oh, okay, well, you should. That'll be the next one. I have notes on that one yes, as well. Yes, I love the house. I'm glad you watched it. Yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah, go watch Nope. Go watch it. (laughs) Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Monster Masquerade. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to let us know somewhere on the internet and consider sharing the show with a friend. If you have a suggestion or topic you'd like to see us discuss, hop on over to our Patreon to unlock exclusive bonus content and do just that. And we'd super appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. It's the fastest way to help the show grow. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find podcasts.